Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Well, welcome again for another edition. And I thought I would talk again, develop a little bit more on something that I call financial trauma. And I covered this a little bit in an episode, uh, episode number 10 before. But I thought um, I'd like to expand upon that idea just a little bit more, go a little bit more into uh, depth with that. And I want to do just a little bit of a recap in case you haven't listened to that particular one. Just, just a summary here. Shame is probably one of the most powerful emotions that we have in our system. IFS would call it a burden. And shame is commonly associated with trauma. Trauma typically comes from the hands of people that uh, love us. So trauma is um, often not thought of in that way. And it's it's also as much about what didn't happen to us as what happened to us. And at the very core of trauma is something that Bessel van der Kolk describes as God-forsaken loneliness. Trauma has been found from um, the work of uh, Gabor Mate to be the source of addiction. So understanding trauma is, is kind of a, a big deal. And the shame that's associated with it usually is what uh, I'll refer to as primal shame, which is different from just ordinary shame. Primal shame is when we are convinced there's nothing of value in us and that we shouldn't even exist. So this is a, a pretty terrifying type of shame in IFS terms, that's internal family system terms. It's associated with and I exile a part of us that managers and protectors within our system have just buried. <laughs> it's like, well, we're going to keep as far away from that as possible. So typically we think of trauma, you know, it's really extreme. Certainly I did, you know, the death of a loved one, a severe injury, natural disasters, physical, sexual abuse, military combat, all of this is what I thought of as a trauma. And what we found out is these are descriptions of extreme trauma, right? Trauma comes from the Greek term for a wound. And it's now used to describe both physical and financial and emotional injuries. And I've added financial in those of us in in, uh, the life planning financial therapy movement have added financial trauma to this. So a traumatic event can impact uh, a person's physical, financial, and emotional well-being, right? It can result in, like, lingering psychological symptoms long after it's occurred. And this is is, uh, called PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? So it can 
be the source of anxiety, depression, flashbacks, reoccurring nightmares, all of this can come from physical, financial, or emotional trauma. Now, not, not all trauma is extreme, right? There's less extreme trauma that can just be, become from shock, upheaval, distress, chronic stress, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, grief, heartache, all of these can be sources of trauma. And the real key to trauma is, did it overwhelm and basically shut down the system? And trauma can uh, also be kind of these uh, more um, light traumas, these um, more, quote, normal traumas that just happen over and over and over and over. So they can be just a chronic series of less extreme traumas can lead to the same symptoms as one-time extreme trauma. And the name for this is called complex trauma, right? So complex trauma can come from periods of neglect, isolation that just happen over and over again, all right? Whether it's stress, emotional abuse, neglect, chronic criticism, chaotic family dynamics, all of this can come together and create something called complex trauma, of which is uh, maybe more insidious to get your hands around because it doesn't seem like that big a deal, right? If you were raised in with, uh, with uh, chronic criticism in your family, and maybe that went on for a decade of your life, it's just the, the water you you swam in. It was just normal. There's no way for a kid to understand that chronic criticism is not, um, is not normal. So with laying that foundation, I think uh, uh, financial trauma can develop around eight general types of money events. Now, before I get into these, you can have a any type of trauma can play out in your money. Any type of trauma can cause underspending, overspending, all sorts of financially unsound decisions, all sorts of financial disorders. So it doesn't have to be from some financial event to be playing out in your money. But as I was thinking about this recently, I came up with eight general types of money events that can be traumatic. And these are giving money, receiving money, spending money, saving, loaning money, borrowing, earning, and taking money. And those would be the eight things that could be traumatic. And generally speaking, if there's a sense of shame around any of these, it could be a sign of some past financial trauma. So um, let's just take, take a look at each one of these. So, for example, in giving. Uh, research has found that we may get uh, longer-lasting happiness by giving to others rather than receiving for ourselves. But giving out of chronic manipulation, giving out of guilt, giving out of shame, giving out of obligation can be a source of financial trauma. 
Now, does that mean if somebody guilt shames, manipulates me into giving once, that this is going to be a traumatic event? Well, I, it could be, but probably not. But if you were raised where you were just guilted continually, shamed continually for not giving and and uh, lots of odds and shoulds, and this was just pervasive, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use your childhood, then you could have trauma <laughs> around giving. All right. So another thing is that uh, let's talk about receiving, right? Receiving means it's probably a gift that's been given to you. A gift is an act of uh, generosity, and it can express care and appreciation. Receiving can be a wonderful thing. It can be uh, as wonderful for the receiver as for the giver. But receiving money, or any gift really, but that uh, comes wrapped with strings, right? It ceases to be a gift. And all the strings that may be associated with a gift, I mean, I can think of a lot of different uh, events clients of mine have told me around receiving money, receiving money at Christmas and, and just the, the ritual around it and then all the spoken and unspoken strings around receiving this. That could turn into some trauma. The strings could include a lot of guilt and manipulation or expectations of reciprocity or future favors. And once again, if this happens over and over and over and over again, it can be a source of complex financial trauma. Spending money. Now, spending money is the way that we can support physical, financial, and emotional well-being. I mean, money isn't much good unless we spend it, right? <laughs> So when we're spending money that supports our interests, our desires, our values, there's congruency there, right? There's alignment there. And it supports our quest for meaning and well-being. But money that uh, is never spent is pretty useless. It's not going to support our needs, our goals, our dreams, or make life worth living. But I think worse off is uh, money that is spent in ways that don't align with our values or our best interests can cause a lot of internal dissonance, stress, depression, and unhappiness, which can feed and become trauma. And, I, you know, I think the same is true of money that's spent as a result of guilt, shame, manipulation, coercion, or obligation. That's the, the thing that you've got to look in spending money is, is this aligning with my values? And are there, again, lots of, of uh, pressure that's being put on how I spend my money? Saving and investing money? Well, that's a pretty critical component supporting future spending. By that, we got to save and invest in order to be able to spend in the future when we don't have a source of income. So saving and investing money is a way to spend money that enhances and creates our overall well-being when we need it. 
But accumulating money out of fear, out of obligation, you must save, right? And we have those parts of us that, I mean, this all doesn't come from the outside. I mean, it often starts from the outside, possibly a, a parent who uh, said this, but it's just as possible as that you're raised with a parent who never saved and you decide you're going to do things different, so you're going to save. But a part of you can just uh, be very critical, very demanding that shame on you, you're not saving and, and you're a failure as a human being because you're not shaming. So this is still something internally that's going on to where every time that uh, you read something about saving money, you could just shut down because of all of everything around it. But anytime there's fear, obligation, there's anger, coercion, guilt, shame, uh, manipulation around saving and investing money. Again, this can be a source of trauma. Let's take a look at the next one, which is uh, loaning. <laughs> now, how can loaning money be traumatic? Well, a popular method to create cash flow from your savings or your investments is loaning money to banks, corporations, governments, or other individuals. All right. These are called, for example, money market funds, savings at a bank, bonds, which is money loaned to corporations or governments, and then, of course, a loan to somebody else, to another person. It could be a source of financial trauma if, you've, if you have loaned money to a corporation or government. The word for that is purchased a bond, which means, which is kind of confusing, right? How can I purchase something when I'm loaning money? I'm not going to get into the details of that. But at any rate, going back to 2008, when a bunch of A-rated companies went bankrupt over the weekend. It can be a source of financial trauma to lose your money, to think I this was a really solid company, a really good investment, a really good bank. This happened back in the 70s in the savings and loan uh, meltdown where people lost their money. So uh, that in itself can be a source of trauma. But I think the the biggest source of financial trauma are typically loans to family or friends. Oftentimes, these loans have emotional strings attached. And the parties involved, both the lender and the borrower, often overlook the importance of paperwork, security. Are they credit worthy? Do they have clear terms? What are the consequences for making timely payments? I don't know if I've done a podcast on this. It might might be good to do one. This is just fraught with trouble when you loan money to friends or families. I've written a lot on this. Uh, the best way to approach this is as this person was a third party. But that brings up a whole lot of stuff because uh, the person like, well, why do you need me to sign anything? You're my brother. You're my you're my father or whatever it is, tons and tons of emotional stuff involved in lending money to friends and family. The best advice is don't do it, but uh, it, can, it can become very traumatic, very traumatic to a relationship. Let's look at the next one. There's a lot of financial trauma 
that can come from being unable to pay your debts. I'm almost going to say this may be the largest source of financial trauma. So whether the cause of not being able to pay debts is poor financial choices, you know, uh, poor uh, overspending, uh, which is very common in, in acquiring credit card debt, or other uh, causes like a job loss, right? I think however the, the indebtedness and probably the over-indebtedness, because the issue isn't being in debt, the issue is not being able to make your payments. And when that happens, there is typically shame around the consequences of not being able to pay your debts. You know, maybe the, the least impactful is uh, a uh, poor credit rating. Maybe you can't pay a debt for a month or two or three and you make it up, but it shows up on your credit rating. Will that necessarily be traumatic? No, not necessarily. But uh, it could be, you know, if it's chronic and over and over and over and over and over. Worse can be consequences such as property being repossessed, like your car being repossessed or your home being repossessed. Certainly, I have a number of clients whose parents went bankrupt when they were small kids and it was definitely traumatic to them. In, in the case of one client, her savings accounts disappeared. She didn't know as a kid at that time that her parents had gone bankrupt, but her savings just disappeared. From that, she developed money scripts. And a big money script was, don't save money because it will disappear. And as an adult, couldn't save and didn't really know why she couldn't save. When we went back and kind of uncovered that and worked with that, that issue that happened, she was able to start saving within a couple weeks of really resolving that internally. So that's uh, some of what is around the trauma that can come from not being able to pay debts. Earning money, that can be a source of trauma. What? I mean, earning money, that's how we sustain ourselves. It can be a source of self-esteem, a source of freedom, right? How can it carry trauma? Well, when you're underemployed, it can be traumatic. When you're working for far less than what the value of your services are. This is not unusual for people who are self-employed, that are contractors, uh, therapists, uh, consultants, folks like that. You can be overemployed. What's that? Well, you can actually be in a job where they're paying you too much. And it can be a little bit traumatic if you get stuck in that position, like you figure that out. I'm being paid way too much. If I got fired from this job, if I had to go find another job, I'm going to be earning 25% less, 50% less, whatever that number is. So that can uh, result in you choosing to remain trapped in maybe a environment that is um, not good, maybe even toxic. You can receive uh, money with strings attached. Okay, and, and you know, unwritten 
expectations, coercions, exploitation, manipulation, all can be associated with a paycheck or a bonus or some type of money that you're earning. And once again, depending on how overwhelming it is to your system, that can be a source of financial trauma. And then I included one that I thought was interesting. <laughs> Taking money. Taking money. I'm not sure there's an upside to taking money. I mean, taking money with the approval of somebody, I think is called a gift. So I'd be interested in any feedback, any of you have. But I just don't, I just, right now, I'm not seeing an upside to taking money. I'm seeing a downside. Like, what is taking money? Embezzling, shoplifting, cheating on taxes, robbery, <laughs> Those are all stealing money. I think that's what taking money is, stealing money that rightfully belongs to another person. So, you know, whether it stems from financial need, stealing in anger, fear, a deep sense of entitlement, like maybe tax evasion, I'm going to say that taking money is... Uh, Maybe not one time, but, you know, I've worked with clients that, that took a nickel from somebody in high school or junior high, and it, it uh, never left them. So, stealing money can be a source of financial trauma. So, that's just a, a little bit, a little bit of the overview of financial events, I think, that can lead to trauma. The key, again, is does, is it overwhelming? It doesn't really matter how serious you might view the event from your adult self today. If it was overwhelming to you as a child, if um, it had a huge impact on you as a child, that could be a source of financial trauma that is driving a financial behavior that may seem illogical to you. And remember, a financial behavior, whether it may seem illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense. It's perfectly logical when we understand the underlying money scripts, when we understand the underlying trauma that created those money scripts. And what is overwhelming for one person, what is traumatic for one person, may not have at all the same effect on another person. So that's really important because you can, you can really go down the rabbit hole of shame saying, well, you know, that wasn't a big deal. And I know other people that that's happened to and they're perfectly normal and therefore I do not deserve <laughs> to feel this way around what happened because it's a further sign that I'm really screwed up. Don't go down that rabbit hole because what you don't see is what their traumas are around, which are things that absolutely didn't bother you in the least. So I hope that that's helpful. I hope that gives a little bit more depth on financial trauma. And um, hopefully can increase your awareness so that you can, if you do have any of these, 
that you can um, seek some uh, help. And oftentimes awareness is a huge part of that. But then the second part is uh, starting to look at that, uh, just like uh, Scrooge, uh, the ghost of Christmas past, led him into his past to take a look at all the things back then that happened that were affecting him in the present. And there's a um, help for that. It's called financial therapy. Imagine that. So, Thanks for joining me. We'll talk with you next episode. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.